I'm Patrick Sang, global citizen, investor. Join me as I talk with global influencers for their insight, wisdom, and how they overcame their own personal challenges. Sharing positivity, overcoming challenges, creating one world together. I'm Patrick Sang, anything is possible. Welcome to another episode of Anything is Possible. I have a new friend, a very inspirational figure, Mr. Ivan Ichevich. Um, did I pronounce it correct? You know what? When you've got a name like mine, you answer to anything. Okay. So, Thank so, you. so in, in, in Africa, we pronounce it Ivor Ichikovitz. Ivor Ichikovitz. Honest, honestly, anything goes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for, for being an easy guest. Um, I heard you earlier on stage. We're now in Monaco. Um, you do some very inspirational, great work, a lot for people like me to learn from. Um, what's the, the mission of the organization? I live and was brought up in Africa. I'm a second generation African. And I fell in love with the continent when I was very young. And I responded to a calling to invest in the development of the continent. And that's what I've done, and that's what inspires me, and that's what gets me up every day, and that's what gets me excited. But I'm, I'm privileged, I'm very lucky. I live on a continent that very few people understand. I live on a continent with immense opportunity. I live on a continent with the most amazing people and the most amazing energy. So it's actually very easy and lots of fun. And because most people don't understand it, we have very little competition, which is, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing, because one of my missions is to get the investor community to understand it's very easy to invest in New York and in London and in Paris and in, in Monaco. It's a little more difficult to invest in Africa, but it is exponentially more rewarding. And, uh, and that's part of my, my mission, is to, is to encourage investment into the continent and to encourage growth and to encourage development and to increase the breadth of investors on the continent. understand, and that's a grand uh, ambition because uh, Africa is a big country. I visited, I was a big continent, and I visited many countries, still a lot to go. And I think uh, one thing I think you agree that I, I know from you know, uh, geography is that Africa is such a landmass that people don't really understand the scale because the way that the earth is printed on a 2D map is actually like this. Right. So wherever you elongate it, it's actually much bigger than it really is. How do you plan to realize such a vision? So I'll tell you something really interesting. I hear a lot of people talk outside of Africa, talk of Africa as if it was, a, as if it was one country. And it really is not one country. It is, it is 52 completely separate, completely independent, and completely unique countries. But what's amazing is that there really is a Pan-African vision. There is, really is a Pan-African energy. Um, I, I launched through my foundation a little while ago the Pan-African Youth Survey because what has always fascinated me is that I see the continent because I live there and I engage with the people in a completely different way to the way outsiders see the continent. And the best way to predict the future is to look at, to take a litmus test of the mentality, the mindset, the energy of the youth of today. 
So we launched the first ever Pan-African Youth Survey, which has been an incredible undertaking. And just as I did it, I thought this is a huge risk because it could go seriously wrong. I could land up finding out that the rest of the world who think Africa is the dark continent are right, and I'm wrong. Thank heavens, the results are exactly the opposite. We saw that despite the fact that the continent represents 52 very independent countries, there really is such a thing as an African youth. There really is such a thing as a joint collective um, energy and set of aspirations. East Africa, West Africa, English-speaking Africa, French Africa, albeit that they're so different, are actually so connected. And I think that, 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 that we look at Africa um, as 52 countries, and we invest in probably 30 of those 52 countries. And, and, and we, we accept that when we arrive in an African country to invest, to, to partner, to collaborate, we're the foreigner. And I think that's the most important thing for, for investors in Africa to, to realize. You're coming into a culture that is well-developed, well you're coming into a system, a way of working that is well-developed. You cannot look at Africa through Amer an American lens or through a European lens or through any other lens. You have to look at it through an African lens. And I think that one of the, the skills that we've ev evolved as investors is the ability to refine our African lens. Understand. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think um, you know when we invest a lot in China or elsewhere, I think a lot of problems and political issues between the US, the Western world with China is that the Americans or the Western mindset is they use the American hat to view a Chinese issue. Absolutely, and same, same thing. And vice versa, a Chinese view of a Western thing. But you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like I always give this example of you know, Westerner would use a knife and fork, and we use chopsticks. There is no who's better. It's just a different way of doing different. something. Absolutely. And you know, when I eat sushi, I want to use chopsticks. I don't want to use a knife and fork. And even when we go to a nice Japanese restaurant, we use chopsticks. And when a Chinese or a Japanese person goes to a Western restaurant, they'll use a knife and fork. Why don't we use something similar? And so I think, you can't eat sushi with a knife and fork at sacrilege. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but exactly. people do. Yeah. In fact, at the beginning, Japanese used their hands to eat sushi. That's right. You know. So I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, success, obviously you've had a lot of success over your career. Can you tell the audience how do you define success and how do you attain such success? It's, interest it's a really interesting question because if you listen to most investors, they will define success by how much money they've made. If I were working outside of Africa, in traditional markets, I would probably define my success by how much money we've made. But that has never been the way we've thought working in Africa. My first measure of success is, is what I'm doing making me happy? Is it allowing me to have fun? Am I working with people that are fun to work with? Am I doing things that are generating joy? And 99% of the time, if the answer to that is yes, then we're successful. So, number one, having fun. Number two, are we making an impact? And, you know, we look at impact investing not from the perspective of how much can you give away or how much can you, can you donate from the profits that you're making. I believe that every single project we do, and I, and I think this is a global thing, not just an African thing, should make an, an, an impact on the people around the project. So the second question is, are we making an impact? Are we doing good? And the third thing 
is are we making a difference? Are we making a difference to the way things are being done? So I like doing things that are disruptive, but I also like doing things that solve problems. So the innovation in Africa is really interesting because in, in the West, innovation is typically engineering driven. Great engineering idea, great piece of technology, let's go and find a use case. In Africa, it's completely different. Understand a problem and find a solution to that problem and find the simplest solution to that problem because where, where we come from, you have to solve the problem now. You don't have five or seven or 10 years. So that's why another test for us is, are we solving a problem? We're we making a difference. And then I suppose at the end of the day is, are we making some money? Because if you don't make money, then we can't fund the next one and the next one and the next one. But it's the last in the list, not the first in the list. So Ivar, that's uh, for me. That's very, um, uh, very happy to hear that because we share so much in common in terms of the principles of how we invest. We're not a charity. We try to invest to make an impact. We have a positive impact, positive influence. That's why we don't touch things like arms, tobacco, um, things that don't help society. So here's an interesting one for you. If I was in the West, I would agree with you. One of our biggest investments is the largest aerospace and defense technology company on the African continent. And we take huge criticism for that. But one of the biggest issues that affects the growth and development of the African continent is insecurity. And we identified many years ago that if we couldn't help African governments create institutions of security to protect people's investments, there was never going to be any investment. So we took capability and skill that existed in South Africa at the time and we've spent 20 years helping African governments create institutions to protect their citizens assets and through that there has been a huge generation of confidence which has then brought in foreign investment and local investment so one has to think things slightly differently tobacco it's a very very bad idea but when there's an entire generation of farmers where entire populations exist on the production of tobacco, you have to look at it slightly differently. So it's not completely cool, but it's less cool to take away the, their livelihood. So invest in, and we don't, but in, invest in tobacco and then migrate those farmers into other things. And, and, and that's why working in Africa, you have to apply a, comp a different mindset to what you would in the... In understand. The so I, I take your point. I agree. I appreciate that. Um, I guess, you know, in life, I always give this example. In any example, there's always good and there's bad. You know, you have a drink of red wine, it tastes good, but it's actually bad for you, right, overall. So I can appreciate that. There's never a black and white answer. Absolutely. I totally agree that an African issue will be treated differently and applied differently and different problems solved. So totally get that. But I was just talking more about the lesser of two evils. I Absolutely. Um, can you give us an example of uh, during your career where you almost gave up, you didn't, and um, what made you make that decision and how did you persevere? I can't think of an example of where I almost gave up. I think one of the African condition is that failure is never an option. So there are many examples where we headed off in one direction, got very excited about that direction, hit a roadblock, and then had to change direction. 
or we thought a project was a world-beating project, but we came up against so many blockages that we backed off and said, for somebody else or for some other time. I think the thing that's frustrated me most in my career has actually been what I call democracy gone mad. Mm. So Western democracy has been imposed in Af on, on Africa in such a way that governments change every five or six years, um, policy changes regularly, and, and principle process gets in the way of implementation. And I think that wherever we've kind of given up, it's been where we realized that the consequences of democracy gone mad are making implementation impossible. And what I've learned as I've got older and more mature and slightly more intelligent is that work that out fast. Don't pursue things. We, we, you can't change the universe. When you're very young and you're very energetic and you, you're inexperienced, you think you can change everything. There's some things you can't change. And nine times out of ten, the things you can't change have to do with bureaucracy, have to do with ridiculous uh, systems that have been imposed that don't relate to the reality of the environment, and don't waste your time fighting against that. Um, and I think that wherever we've given up, it's been because of that. But we're finding that less and less. Why? Because we're choosing projects and we're choosing countries to work in where decision-making is quick where our interests are aligned with those of the governments, where the projects we're doing are, are, are so good for the country that, that the, the, the pushback is, is not that great. And I think, uh, I suppose, as we're, we're getting more practiced at it, we're getting more successful at it. So you are, I, I really appreciate your pragmatism that, you know, entrepreneurs are people that, I always say, change the world. And because of that, um, it's easier to navigate uh, as a private business and to impact the world more so because of blockages or obstacles imposed by governments and policy and bureau bureaucracy. So I appreciate that it's probably better not to try to change the law or the policies, but to do something different and work around it and get to where you want to get to. So what is your life ethos, um, Eva? My life ethos is to have fun, to make a difference, and to leave a legacy that isn't about me, but it's about, it's about the culture and the assets of what I believe is one of the most important continents in the world. Whether you believe that kind of Africa was the birthplace of humanity or you don't, there's such a richness that the rest of the world can, can feed on. That, that part of my life ethos is to, is to share that, to communicate that, and to preserve that. It's beautiful. You need to keep striving forward and hopefully you know, we can try to support you in, in whatever way we can. Well, one of the great slogans of the anti-apartheid struggle was a luta continua, which means may the struggle continue. And I think one of, one of the greatest things about what we do is that uh, is that we see what we do as a, as a struggle, but a good struggle, a positive struggle. Struggles aren't always negative. So may the struggle continue. Absolutely. Anything is possible. Our spirit, our epitome is to, we love struggle. Without struggle, you, know, you don't grow. And isn't it amazing how language can affect the way you think? In the English language, the concept of struggle is seen as a negative. You should never struggle. 
in Africa, we love to struggle mm. because that's what makes us creative, it's what makes us innovative, and it would make, it's what makes us survive. Sure. Just give you two examples of the Chinese language. So in Cantonese, we have a, uh, a word called ngai gei. Ngai means uh, crisis, gei means opportunity. But crisis, the word formed together, seems to be negative. But gei is actually uh, positive. So it depends how you look at it. And we, we talk about when there's a crisis, we see opportunity. So I never knew that. And I have to tell you that if you really wanted to ask me, the, the, the core principle that drives me every single day is that I, I learned early on to see every problem as an opportunity. And I suppose that the, the few times in my life that I faltered is when I've forgotten to do that. And when I remember that every struggle or every crisis or challenge was created in order to make you find a solution, then I chill, think, find the solution, and nine times out of ten we prevail. Last but not least, anything is possible. We, we try to promote um, positivity, especially to young people. Ivor, um, could you share with us your number one advice to our audience, especially the young people who want to become young entrepreneurs and business leaders? Find something that you are absolutely passionate about. Never do anything that is a chore. Because if you do something that's a chore, you'll be bad at it. If you do something that you're passionate about, you can only succeed at it. And, and I think that that has been a, a, a life lesson that I've learned again and again and again. Second thing, trust your gut. Everybody tells you that gut feel is nonsense and you never trust your gut and only look at the nonsense. Trust your gut. Because nine times out of ten, your instinct, your intuition is right. And I think that if you follow those, those, those two principles, you can only be successful. I would 100% agree with that. Um, sometimes you can't explain it. Um, and not only about decisions on business, but also on your health. You need to listen to your body. You can't listen to everything what the doctor says or the expert says, or you'll never walk again. And I believe that you, know, you need to listen to everyone. Absolutely. And then you analyze and make your own decisions in the end. And you know, we all make mistakes. And if you make a few mistakes along the way, like we say, it's an opportunity to, to grow and learn. If you don't make mistakes, you'll never learn. And if you don't make mistakes, you'll never be stronger. And if you don't fall, you won't learn how to fall more efficiently next time. It's a fact of life. Ivo, thank you for your time and I hope the struggle continues. Thank you. Anything is possible. Absolutely.